Welcome to Stories of Hope. This is a podcast by the Dream Center where you will hear from people who have stories that once seemed hopeless. People whose stories of redemption and life transformation are so powerful they can only be possible by the power of Jesus. Hey everyone, my name is Tatum and I am here with Joey. Hey guys and welcome to the podcast today. We are on the leadership team here at the Dream Center, and today we will be talking with Christine. She is a volunteer in crisis intervention as one of our intake specialists. So Christine, hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. We're excited about this. So Christine, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it was like for you growing up? So growing up, uh, I was raised in Massachusetts. Um, We had belonged to the Catholic Church nearby, um, and we went there right up until about my parents got divorced. And that caused some tension between my mother and the church to the point where she stopped going to church. And we stopped going to church. Life in the 70s, though, was pretty good. Uh, We were the only family on our street for a long time that was divorced. So that kind of had a little bit of a stigma to it. But it was a time where you played outside in the streets. We had woods behind us. We had kids all around us. I could walk out the door and there'd be 10, 15 kids to play with all around the same age. And um, so it was, for the most part, it was it was a good life growing up. Yeah, my mom was a hard worker. She did the best she could to put a roof over our head. Uh, I had two younger brothers, and we didn't really see much of my dad. I think because of the neighborhood, because of um, the other families kind of, just being present and being there, moms staying home with their kids, um, kind of added a level of support for us that I don't think we knew we needed, but it just, it's just kind of the way it was. You know, it was one of those things, if, a, if a, my mom had to go run out to the store or something, it would just be, hey, kids, if you need something, just go next door, that kind of thing. So it was just a very safe, kind of loving time growing up. So I got married uh, to someone from my hometown, And we ended up moving to California for a little while and then moved here in 2002. Uh, At the time, we had three kids. And in 2008, uh, he passed away in a car accident. So I had the three young kids, no family down here. But I had um, incredible neighbors who loved on us. You know, a big part of it, I think, was just Southern culture, which is let's make casseroles and cut the grass. And um, But there was another part of it, too, that was I had a lot of good Christian people around me, right in my neighborhood. And uh, even that extended out from there and just started loving on me. I know now uh, they were praying for us. Uh, I was not a believer at the time, so I didn't really recognize what that was. It was a hard time. For me, not being a believer, I think, made it feel, sometimes I kind of refer to it as just kind of being in a black hole, not really understanding or having an understanding of what it means to have hope in Jesus. And so it just, it was hard. Eventually, people started asking me if I, of course, people asked me if I wanted to go to church before, and that kind of was always kind of a, it felt a little strange because I didn't know kind of like the southern way of just wanting to embrace others and draw them into their church and all that. Um, but then when I was I was getting asked after my husband passed away, um, I, it felt different. And I had always, I think, been searching. 
I had tried different churches over the years. And I think at that point, it just, there's something about it that just resonated with me. So a couple of my girlfriends got me to go to a local church. And the sermon that I went to for the very first time was on what it meant to be a godly husband. And, um, you know, he's a good guy. And all the qualities they were describing were what he had. And, um, but the craziest thing about that, and I had, and I could hear everyone around me, you know, putting their arms on my shoulder and crying with me. But I went the next week and I heard another hard sermon and I went week after week after week and people just loving on me and I, I could stand there and feel okay to cry in front of people and just feeling their arms wrap around me. Um, and at the same time, God was just stripping everything away that I thought was important in my life. And that went on for months. But there was something about it that just kept drawing me back. And, and, and I know a big part of that was the people that he had put around me. He helped kind of carry me through this and guide me towards that. And I mean, I look back now and I just have such clarity that God used his people and put them right there, right where they needed to, right where I needed them to be in that time. And so it was one of the hardest times, but it was also just a very powerful turning point for me in my life. So it sounds like that you had community. I did. And I know from hearing your story and a little bit about your testimony uh, from you and from other folks, I know that community is very important in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, How did that change you? I know we've heard that these people come around you in that moment, but what did that look like? How did that impact you the most? So I think, and it's been a long road. Uh, I eventually did become a believer. And and I, I believe that it was just the way people showed love towards me. It felt genuine. It felt like people really cared about me and my kids. Eventually, I was able to recognize that it was safe for me to start sharing my struggles and my weaknesses and to accept help, which being raised by a single divorced mother, I think I got really strong um, messages that, you know, I need to do things for myself, by myself. I don't need anyone's help. And so what coming to recognize that it was okay to ask for help and to accept help from people. And the longer-term result of that is because I felt that so clearly and now connect it to that that's God's love and that's how God shows love to us is through his people that love just pours out of me I just um, it has given me a heart to serve and to love others in a way because I felt it when I needed it the most I just feel it coming through me and just coming out of me 
So you mentioned that you did eventually become a believer. You surrendered your life to Jesus. Can you tell us a little bit about that moment when you submitted to to Christ and you began a personal relationship with him? So I think for me, I can't ever really say it was a moment. Maybe it's just because I'm so thick-headed. I needed a longer time to process what I was learning. It was so foreign to me. I mean, I was, at that point, I was in my early 40s. So I had an entire life of not knowing the gospel, not knowing personally Jesus and God and what that meant. It took me a really long time to process through the teachings at church. So, and I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's just the way my walk has been and grateful to have had have been given the time to process that. Um, and again, it was it was going to church and, and sitting under the word and and reaching out to leadership when I wasn't understanding something, having leaders around me that were really open to, you know, if you have any questions or you don't understand something, just, you know, let's sit down and talk. That was huge for me because I did. I had a lot of questions because um, no one, no one had ever really shared the gospel with me, which um, makes me a little sad. I do believe there were people around me growing up, but just they never explicitly talked about maybe why they did what they did and or, or even talked about God and God's love. So, um, But I've taken that, and it has made me more determined to share it with others. And part of that determination led you here to the Dream Center, right? Could you share a little bit about what brought you to the Dream Center and what maybe you've experienced and learned through your service? It was our church that started asking for volunteers uh, to come to the Dream Center. I know you guys had been up and had been up and running for a little while already, but there was needs. You guys were still formulating a lot of things, and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to be involved. And one of the things that I did like about it was that it was a Christian organization. So I felt like that's that's a place. And I've, I've served in other ways and other capacities, and that's all great as well. Um, but I was intrigued about uh, what you guys were doing and why, and it just felt different. Um, so initially I came to the Dream Center, and I worked in the general store on I think it was Wednesdays back then. I would just fill people's orders who were earning dream dollars, um, filling their bags of shampoo and laundry detergent and all that kind of thing. And that was fine, but I um, I wanted to do more. I saw, I could literally sit in that room and see clients walking through, you know, needing to talk to somebody about something they were struggling with or asking about classes and that kind of thing. And I... I just always felt pulled that I wanted to do more. I wanted to be involved. I wanted to know that person that was walking down the hall who didn't look like me, struggling with something that I probably had no connection with or you know had never gone through myself. But I, I just kept feeling that, feeling that pull to get more involved. So how do you specifically serve now, as of right now, in volunteering at the Dream Center? So I do intakes at the Dream Center, and I've been doing that for years. I come in once a week and do intakes. Before COVID, I was taking appointments, but also doing walk-ins that came through the door. Right now, it's just appointments. 
Um, and so I have been doing that for a few years now. Is there a particular intake that you remember that as you think back that it really changed your thoughts or how things were, you go, maybe you thought this is exactly what I need to be doing and this is the reason why because of. So funny, my reaction to what you just said about this is the reason why I'm doing this, I can tell you more often than not, I feel completely like I am the wrong person to be doing what I'm doing. People come in with things that I've never dealt with. But I think at the same time, that reinforces the idea that God can use all of us, no matter what our experiences have been. I don't have any, I'm not a trained counselor. I'm just a person who's willing to listen and hear their stories and care about them. So I am, I am not the best person for this job. I mean, God has not given me those skills to help someone sort through all of you know, their problems or whatever, but he, he can use me. Through him, he can use me. As far as a certain particular client, there's a lot of them that have stayed with me for different reasons. I mean, this world is so broken. And there's so many people struggling. But every once in a while, I'll, there will be someone walk through that door who's been through some horrible things. Um, and yet, they have an inner strength and a desire to do better for themselves and for their kids. And it is mind-blowing that they still have that um, faced with everything they've been through. That is always such an inspiration to me to see that. But as far as a, a few more specific examples, I remember last summer there were, I would say within a two-week period, I had three ladies separately in their late 60s, early 70s. And they were all on the verge of being homeless. I mean, maybe they had an apartment they were about to get kicked out of or they've gotten an eviction notice. And actually, in my mind, I was trying to concoct, how can the three of them live together? Um, never happened. But what kind of started me thinking and giving me clarity on was that there's, their circumstances were similar. They had all, at some point, been married. They all had adult children. And yet, there was no one that they knew willing to help them whether that was letting them stay in an extra room or giving them money or even a couch. And these women were scared, um, and they didn't know what they were going to do. And so that, that situation has stayed with me because I think the common theme for those women was that they didn't have community. So... You know, we're not all fortunate to be born into a family that's willing to help or loves us and wants to help us. Sometimes we're born into a family that either can't or for different reasons. You know, a lot of that, uh, what we see here, I believe, is, is generational dysfunction, right? So people come in doing what they're doing because that's how their parents lived and that's how their grandparents lived. And they were never taught anything different. A lot of times, unfortunately, there's drug and alcohol use, there's abuse, and um, 
So all of those relationships that are supposed to be in place to help love and support you are broken, and those people are broken. And uh, either they've shut you off because of their own issues, or you have burned all of those bridges because you just never learned how to foster healthy relationships. And so with that gone, typically people come in and they have nowhere to go, no one to help them. And um, so I just, I think a lot now about um, a lot of different things. I think about, I think about now what community did for me and the way it has caused me and God has taught me how to love others. I have a community that's bigger than just my family. Now, I, I have good family around me that I know would help me. But I also know that if something were to happen, you know, to me or my husband, I know there's a lot of people out there, not because I deserve it, not because I'm this great person who did great things, but because I, I've served others and gotten to know other people and love other people in my community. They love me. And that I could reach out to anyone that I know in my community. And I will say it is primarily uh, friends from my church, my, my Christian family from church, that I know I could turn to if I, if I needed to. What would you say to somebody that feels what you're, what you're describing? They feel lonely. They feel hopeless. They feel like they have nowhere to turn. How would you encourage them and challenge them to seek out community in a healthy way. Yes. So I think the challenge, and this is a challenge, is to be self-aware. So you really need to sit down with your own self and look at how you operate in this world and what signals are you putting out there to other people. And it's funny because I just went to a conference um, at my church and one of the things they talked about were these attributes that you, and it's easy. I mean, we all do this. I've done this. I've done, at some point, probably all of these types of things in my life. But they are things like being controlling of others, being manipulative, uh, lashing out, being angry all the time, keeping score of all the hurts that people have, have put on you. Uh, or even kind of a mentality of just taking, taking, taking. I think there's a lot of people who just take for granted that the people around them will just give them what they need over and over and over again. And, and, and people will only do that for so... Even, even the most loving, kind people will only do that for so long because at some point I think some of them will recognize that this isn't really helping the person, which goes back to the Dream Center's uh, idea of a hand up, not a hand out. And then some of them will just be done and say, I, I can't, you, you just, you just want to take and take. So I think if you can have, if you can reflect on those types of qualities and ask yourself, you know, do I do this? Do I lash out? Do I have this anger? And, and, you know, really to explore that and maybe get into some counseling or therapy, but the least you can do is, is, is look at yourself and how you interact with others because you will push people away you will keep people at an arm's length they will not want to step into your life and love you and um you know I tell some of my 
friends who have younger kids, I believe that the, the most, one of the most important qualities you can teach your kids is empathy. For them to be able to put themselves in someone else's shoes, it gives you um, a level of, of compassion and love for that other person. And so if you can't show empathy for others, you're not going to draw people into you. People aren't going to want to be around someone that is just always thinking about themselves. You know, my problems, this is what's happening to me. What can you do for me? And so, and if you, if you don't think you know what the problems are, you know, ask someone, you know, come to the Dream Center and, and, and talk to somebody about, I don't understand why there's no one that wants to help me. Um, We've got all kinds of free services here where you can just sit down with someone and they can get to know you and then help you see um, what those qualities might be. Absolutely. And we've talked about this a little bit, Christine. There's never an opportunity where there's not somebody we could reach out to, is right. what I'm saying. Like, because we exist as a dream center, even the people that have burned those bridges that you mentioned, there is still a resource for them even if it's not a family or a close friend or somebody from their hometown or where they may look like, you just have to be willing to reach out and take that, lay down your pride ultimately, humble yourself and be able to step into that uncomfortable conversation of, hey, I can't see my blind spots. What are the things about myself that I need to grow and mature in? Which ultimately we believe as Christ followers that that happens in the context of a relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. My pastor has talked about how as Christians we have to be, we have to be friends with people that are friends of God. And I think that that speaks so much of what you're saying. Biblical community is much deeper than just, um, you know, bringing the casseroles over or <laughs> mowing the grass. Like they're the people that are going to call you higher and they're going to challenge yet encourage you in, in difficult seasons. And I, and I will say that is the hope in all of this. And that is the hope that I see here at the Dream Center that um, I've seen it happen. I've seen people come in um, off the streets in crisis a few years ago. And they have bought in to the process here. And they are now surrounded by people that love them in community. They come, they take these classes. They come every, every day and uh, get to know the people sitting next to them. They're vulnerable about what their struggles are. And then they listen to others share about their struggles. And so it creates these ties. These people wouldn't have known each other otherwise. They're not family. But, I mean, we see them, they all come to the front door in the morning and they buzz themselves, you know, they buzz in and they all walk down the hall together and sit in class. I mean, they are a, a community um, and they love each other and they care about each other. And, and it's not easy. I mean, they've, I'm sure they've gone through some really hard, challenging times and been challenged uh, either by staff here or by people sitting next to them in class. But it can happen and it, and it happens because of God and it, it can happen here if, if you do. If you feel lost and you don't know where to turn, there's so many resources. I, I would say even coming, you know, when Shine was open every night for dinners, I mean, that's, that's another opportunity for community. You, know, you come in, you share a meal with someone, and you sit down and you get to know them. You get to know, you know, what they got kids and, and that kind of thing. And um, so it's out there for anybody that wants it. It can happen. What a great challenge because people in community understand that 
we're not all perfect. And so we all have to be there for one another in the middle of that. Uh, I have been a part of where people have surrounded me. I have been part of where I've surrounded other people. And the biggest thing that I see in community is the example of Christ. Mm -hmm. And because I know that he brought in a community around him. And so I, I do want to say thank you for all that you do here at the Dream Center and for the help that, uh, as far as Opportunity Village is concerned, you know, pointing women to the place of where they can get changed. And, and I appreciate that. And, and so, yeah, we're all working to be that community for the folks uh, that come through our doors, and that is awesome. So from the north to the west to the south, you found yourself here. And uh, we're so thankful to have you as a volunteer here at the Dream Center. And everyone, thank you so much for joining us on Stories of Hope today. Uh, we will see you next time. And remember, one person can't do everything, but every person can do something. Thanks for joining us today for Stories of Hope. For more information about the Dream Center, visit our website at dreamcenterpc.org. Additional resources related to today's episode can be found in our podcast show notes.